0: Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Ron, and it is so good to have you as part of this uh, amazing day together here at Vital Point Church. So our topic today is silence and solitude. So I figured we may as well just spend the next 25 minutes practicing silence and solitude. So let's set the timer and go for 25 minutes of silence and solitude. Okay, I'm not going to do that. Some of you are like, is he serious? No, I'm not. I have lots to say as we dive into this topic. To begin, I want to make a statement that I believe is very important for us. And it's this. And I'll follow it up with another statement in a few minutes. One of the biggest enemies of a walk with Jesus is not a hidden sin or even a blatant choice to destroy faith. It's actually a distracted life. If we were to do a hard look in the mirror, we would notice that we do a lot of things to try to create motion. We try to distract ourselves. We try to create a lot of external noise to cover the internal noise within our hearts and our minds. See, we long for peace. We long for rest and even healing at times, but we're not prepared yet to remove those things those distractions that keep us from this. Some say that mental health, anxiety, depression, discouragement, loneliness are at an all-time high in our society, and maybe you can identify with that. For some reason, we feel that if we are distracted enough, we will be able to cover up those pieces of us that feel so broken and we long for healing in. We try to numb ourselves with the endless scroll. We set up more meetings. We get more action. We get busier. Another drink, another click, another show. We adopt a lifestyle that says that if you're going to go anywhere in life. You, you better work harder, go faster, and be ready to pivot at any moment because that is how you'll be successful. There's an image of this in my mind. There's a, there's a guy in my neighborhood where I live. He walks around our neighborhood almost every day and he walks at a high pace. And I kid you not, every single time I see him, he has his phone in his hand and his face is buried, distracted by what's on the phone. I'll be honest with you. I've I've thought a few times I should just go walk up to him and go, boo, and see if he would respond. I don't even know if he'd even notice me. See, I believe that our distracted lives are keeping us from the life that God wants for us. Here, I said I would follow it up with another statement, and it's going to be this. The way that we break the endless cycle of distraction is to pattern our lives after Jesus with the practice of silence and solitude. Silence and solitude is the sacred space and time where the richness of our relationship with Jesus is developed. See, we've been in this series called Practicing the Way. We've been in this now for about five weeks, and we've been exploring these disciplines that we have in our lives that partner with the work of the Spirit as apprentices of Jesus. And I recognize that maybe you're only exploring right now. You're not 100% sure about Jesus. This is giving you a picture of what it means to follow Him. So in week one, we literally talked about that. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Week two, we talked about the important life of community. Week three, we talked about what is called the scriptures or the Bible. Week four, last week, we talked about listening prayer, listening to the voice of God. See, when a person becomes a follower of Jesus, they get new ears. And so, we talked about listening in prayer. Well, today, I believe that this conversation is one of the most important conversations when it comes to disciplining ourselves at a deeper connection with Jesus. The fact that many of us don't like silence and solitude is evidence enough, is proof enough that this is an important task in front of us. John Mark Comer, who wrote stuff about practicing the way, says to be an apprentice, you have to to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And this might come as a surprise to some of you, But Jesus practiced silence in solitude. I want to take you to one of the most important moments in Jesus' life. Apart from his death, burial, and resurrection, this is going to be a moment that likely would make it into probably the top three, if not the top 10 best moments of Jesus' life. It was a moment right after his baptism. His cousin, John, was baptizing in the Jordan River. He's baptizing people. And he was taking them in the river and he was dunking them below the water and bringing them up. but Jesus comes along and, he's, and he wants John to baptize him. This is a beautiful moment for us to understand that as if we're going to follow Jesus, we follow his lead with this. And the idea of baptism and the immersion going under the water and coming back up is pointing us to the reality of what Jesus was going to do with his life. But then also when we step into that moment of baptism, it's the identifying of what happened on the inside with identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection to this new life. So that imagery of going under the water and coming up, Jesus is just giving us a picture of what he was moving towards with his death, resurrection so we ourselves follow this now what was so incredible after this moment is what followed it look at this in matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 it says this then jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry okay we get that And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus' baptism initiates his earthly work. And in that moment, he moves and does something that is so interesting. See, in that moment of baptism, he now is going to be journeying towards the cross. He would be doing miracles. He'd be telling stories. He'd be casting out demons. He'd be inviting people to follow him. Crowds would gather. The elite would hate him. Now, when you think about this, wouldn't it be natural to come up out of the water and say, okay, let's go make it happen, everybody. Let's go do this thing or maybe when he come up out of the water he'd paint this epic vision of what he was about to accomplish and say who's with me or maybe that sense of rolling up his sleeves and saying let's go it's time to it's time to do the work but he doesn't the spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights let's call this what it is this is not a plan let's play i mean this is not a good business plan if you want to you know if you want to make this happen Going away for a month and a half in the wilderness doesn't seem to line up, but Jesus did. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, this word wilderness or desert is a very interesting, um, very interesting space. I actually a number of years ago I went to the traditional spot where Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. And as we were standing there, our guide had us look around us, and there was the wilderness. Now, this is an interesting word. In the original Greek language, it's eramos, which means this. It's different things. It's a desolate space. It's a solitary place. It's a lonely place, and it's a quiet place. John Mark Comer, in his book, Ruthlessly Eliminating Hurry, says this, the wilderness isn't a place of weakness, it's a place of strength. The beginning of Jesus' work on earth was spent in a place of quiet and stillness. And in order to set the right direction and to gain strength for which he was about to do and accomplish was fostered within the space of solitude and silence. He was going to face pressure and demands on his life. He was going to start that ministry in a sense of in a place of quiet. His ability to even overcome the enemy in the wilderness came from that place with God, the father and the work of the spirit in his life. I need this to sink in Jesus, the one who all things is created through and by The one who is all-powerful set the template to spend a month and a half in silence and solitude. His strength and his power came from the intentional time of the sacred space, able to defeat the enemy, able to set the direction. When we started the message, I talked about the greatest enemy to the rich, vibrant walk of life with Jesus is distraction. One of the things that... that we must understand is that the enemy of your heart and soul, the primary role of the enemy and the army of his enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy the work of God in your life. I want you to think about this. C.S. Lewis, in his book, *Screw Tape Letters, has the demons railing against silence as a danger to their cause. Matter of fact, the senior demon Screwtape calls the devil's realm the kingdom of noise. Jesus' faces in the wilderness. The enemy was trying to distract Jesus, to tempt Jesus, to keep him f- from the solitude because he knew what Jesus was about to do and the mission that he was about to embark on in revealing the kingdom of God. You know, there are many strongholds in our lives strongholds these external and internal things they set themselves up within us and they develop walls that keep us barricaded in things like anxiety and depression and worry and discouragement even our insecurities and our shame they become strongholds that keep us from moving forward and we try to do things to break free don't we i mean we go to a therapist to try to break those walls down and which is an important step for many of us. We'll fill our lives with things. We'll go for the next hit. We'll try to find the solution to break down these walls. But often, what happens in the strongholds in our lives is we're left exhausted and empty, wondering if we'll ever find peace, if we'll ever have healing in our lives. And because we feel so fractured and broken. Silence and solitude silence and solitude are the practices that partner with the spirit of God to break down the strongholds in our lives creating a deeper part of our faith. Jesus spent 40 days, 40 nights in solitude in silence preparing for what he was about to do. Now I don't want to assume, because you know what happens when you assume, is I don't want to assume you understand these two practices that are put together. So let me talk about each one of them independently. Silence. Silence is a space where we train our minds to be fixed on Jesus rather than the distractions. It's the place where we listen. Let me give you an understanding of this from my own life, okay? I had some, I've had some very interesting things said to me over the past couple of years, two to three years. And, you know, some things have been not all that positive that have been said to me as the pastor of Vital Point Church. And and it hasn't happened a lot, but it's a few times. And you know what it's like, right? You you have one negative comment, it seems to take over the 10 positive. So we understand that. What happened to me with these comments and these moments is I began to create patterns of thought, unhealthy patterns of thought. I even began to fantasize over how I would respond to the people that had hurt me if I saw them in the mall or saw them in a restaurant. The hurt was lurking beneath the surface and my mind was not in a good space. I began imagining and dreaming of what I would actually say to these people if I saw them because they're no longer part of Vital Point Church so I I thought to myself who cares I just say it anyway and then the deep conviction set in and so I've been in silence and solitude over the past year and a bit and just trying to work through some of those things fixing my mind my mind on Jesus I recently bumped into someone that I've had some of these thoughts about and I was able to genuinely stick my hand out and say, it is so good to see you. See, silence is the intentionality of fixing our minds on the things of Jesus, focusing on the things that deepen our walk with him, not on the things that want to rob us. Silence is the hard work of sitting with Jesus, fixed on him, training our minds to be in obedience to what he wants for us first peter chapter 1 verse 13 therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ this verse is so powerful as it connects to silence preparing our minds for action comes from a place of silence with Jesus. And the original language, this is is called girding up the loins of your mind. Just turn to the person closest to you and say, I'm gonna gird up the loins of my mind. You're kind of like, what in the world? Essentially, it's this, because it comes from an ancient context is that your robe would be dragging on the ground and in the mud, and if you were going to run or if you're gonna keep it clean, you would reach down and you would pull it up between your legs and hold it off of the ground because you did not want it to become dirty. Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind, protect your mind, prepare your mind. And what does he say? Set it on the hope that f- of the grace at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, what does a negative thought or comment do? It creates a rut in our brains. The rut flows and it dictates our lives. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. Who, what will happen if people find out who you really are? What will they think about if they know what you've done in the past? Silence is the space in which we sit to re, reprogram our minds to fix on Jesus. Not a mindless practice of, of sort of a... Uh, uh, Eastern religious perspective where you empty your mind. That's not what we're talking about. Mindfulness is training our minds to be in that space with Jesus, to experience a deeper walk of who he is in our lives, creating new paths of thought. Silence takes us to that space. Now, I know silence for some of us, it's a scary place because you're thinking, dude, if I were to stay in silence, I'm afraid that the hammering negative thoughts would overcome me. But what would it look like? to begin the practice of silence, fixing our eyes on Jesus, training our minds to think of those things, we would find healing and freedom in the relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing is solitude. Again, we got to go back to Jesus on this one. Solitude is not isolation. When Jesus was led into the wilderness, he was led and accompanied by the spirit of God. And at the end, you'll see that the spirit of God leads him back out of the wilderness. We all know extended periods of isolation is not healthy. All you got to do is look over the past couple years and see what it's done to some, or you want to watch a show called Alone where they're dropped off on the Northern part of Vancouver Island on their own. You see what happens. It's, it's scary. There's a moment though, In Jesus' life, when he walked in this earth where he did something most powerful as it's connected to solitude, he gave his disciples an assignment to go out two by two. This is an epic moment. And he sends them out and gives them the authority to overthrow unclean spirits. He gives them the ability to heal, to cast out demons, and and he sends them out. And then he brings them back in and they bring a report on what had happened. Now, I want you to imagine this for a second. Like, can you imagine being in Jesus' inner circle? And then he goes, okay, guys, you're going to go out and you're going to do what I did. And when I get back, I've seen some crazy powerful stuff i'd be like jacked i'd be like on fire i I, you'd have to put me you have to me with water because i'd be so excited but look what jesus does mark chapter 6 verse 30 and 31 the apostles returned to jesus and told them all that they had done and taught i report back it was epic it was unbelievable and he said to them come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while I legit can see this small gathering of people going, what? Are you kidding me? It's electric. Jesus, we need to get back out there and we need to keep going and keep doing things. But he doesn't. No. He says, hey, let's pull away, come away and go to the desolate place. I mean, really? There's that word again. Desolate place. Quiet place. Place of solitude with Jesus. Solitude is not about being alone. It's about being with Jesus. And what happens in that space is we allow that space to be what it is in the deepest formation of the presence of Jesus in a way that allows ourselves to engage with him at a deeper level. See, solitude with Jesus is not necessarily all about talking. It's about just being together my wife and i when we travel we uh we, when we travel distances we go away on vacation we drive we have the comfortable space now to be in solitude with each other we don't need to be talking all the time that's the comfort of the relationship with jesus in solitude see there's a thing that i've been thinking a little bit about as it relates to faith and it's kind of this solitude silence thing. And the solitude side of it, I should say. There are many of us that actually have a frantic faith. A frantic faith. And let me explain that because I came up with this myself. So if it doesn't work, you can blame me. Frantic faith is a pace of life where we feel like we need to impress God with our religious activities. Look at me, God. God. I'm going to church. Look at me, God. I'm reading my Bible. Look at me, God. I am actually in a connect group. Look at me, God. I serve when it fits my schedule. We jump up and down. You'll catch that later, some of you. We jump up and down, waving our arms, thinking we're impressing him. Well, all the time, he just wants to be with us in solitude. There's a verse, Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Essentially what that verse means is, Stop waving your arms. You don't need to wave your arms. You just need to put your arms down in the frantic pace of faith and allow yourself to be in that moment. Came across this great quote with solitude. Henry Nowen says this, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and to listen to him. I mean, how powerful is that when you think about it? Learning silence silence and solitude, or learning solitude, takes the frantic faith out of the picture and deepens our formation in Jesus Christ, which means we now have a restful faith for our hearts and souls in the presence of God. It allows the solitude space and time to be just with Him. See, frantic faith is literally, for some of us, our hearts and our souls are just shriveling up and God is just saying, I just want to be with you. Now, I know it's scary and hard and I know it's difficult for us at times because we 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 wanna ignore this part of our journey. Because we wanna fill up our lives, right? Solitude, are you kidding me? I can't even ride in my car by myself. I've got to have the radio on, or I can't even go for a run without having my my headphones in, or I can't sit in a hot tub, or I can't even go anywhere without I can't even stand in line at a grocery store. Well, that's not me, but anyway, uh, just you know, without looking at my phone because I want to fill it up. I got to listen. I got to fill it up. I got to fill it up. Maybe want to fill it up with you know another game of pickleball. I don't know, but we realize that solitude is the space in which we enter into with Him. See, we've mastered the art of distraction. As as human beings, we've done a brilliant job of mastering distraction. But maybe we need to become masters of silence and solitude. Maybe it's time we break the frantic pattern of our world and learn to sit in these moments with Jesus, to be formed by him. I want to speak to something that I believe I need to say. This has been on my heart for a long time, and I I found a moment to speak to it. Parents, if you are running your kids ragged, You are setting a pattern of a frantic life which will creep into a frantic walk with Jesus. I know this life all too well. We raised two boys. I know what it's like. Because sometimes we think, well, they're good at the sport. I got to give them all the opportunities possible. Or maybe you're at an age where you think, I didn't have these things. I want to give them to my kids trust me it all sounds great and i have watched families sacrifice their faith journey at the altar of sport and in the end they have very little left of their faith that's not always the case but it is a high percentage parents You can model this life of silence and solitude. Yes, it may be hard. You got little ones burning around the house all the time. You can find ways to demonstrate this for your children. Let them see the prioritization of your relationship with Jesus with silence and solitude. And you can even bring them into the journey of understanding this. When our boys were little, we would send them to bed long before we wanted them to actually be asleep. And they would come downstairs and they'd go, I can't sleep. And I would catch them off guard. I'd say, it doesn't matter. I don't expect you to be asleep. Just go back to your room. What were we doing? We were teaching our boys how to be alone in solitude. Not just alone, but in that space, training and learning. See, parents, we have a responsibility to help our children even with this. If you're run ragged, step back, examine it and say, is this helpful For my kids all right practice of silence and solitude comes from when we desire more of the restful presence of jesus deep in our spirit that means it flows out of a desire to know jesus more than anything else in this world that we want to be closer to him as the one who is the author and finisher of our faith, the one who brings us from the shallows of our faith to the deep richness of our faith in him. It's not from the activity to impress Jesus with our frantic faith, but a restful faith that longs for him in the silence, in the solitude. As the world spins out of control with mental health anxiety depression we can demonstrate as followers of jesus another way a non-anxious way of life but it will only come as we pattern our life after jesus with silence and solitude it is the practice it takes effort it takes work and trust me over the years as i have sat in the same seat every single morning with a coffee with you know with our dog lying at my feet i've been training myself in silence and solitude to sit in that space with jesus and i've recognized areas of my life where jesus wanted to do the work and it came out of silence and solitude i recognize that it is a very difficult thing to do. But I have to tell you, if we are longing for peace and rest and healing and a contentment, it will only come from a desire to be closer to Jesus than anything else in this world. And that will happen through silence and solitude.